Okay, kids, let's go. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Hello, what have we here? Hello. Holy shit. Thanks, C3 penis face and R2 dickhead. Hello there. You're getting found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> May the force be with us. Fucking A. Good day, Galaxy Rogue Squadron Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am Mopar. I am Commander Cody. We've got our extra extra special, if I could speak about it, we've got our extra <laughs> special guest here, Mr. Drew Carpishan. Hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a bumpy ride here on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, we're not used to it. No no beer today, no beer review. Everything's uh, it's a little different. I'm drinking coffee. Drink your coffee. I had a Red Bull. We get, we're, we're waking up with the Rogue Squad here. <laughs> uh, Drew, thanks for joining us again, man. This is uh, This is fun. We are huge Old Republic nerds. A lot of our fans are big fans of KOTOR and everything. And then we had, you know, requests since you came on the first time to have you back. So thanks again for being here with us. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for accommodating me. I know a little outside your normal window here. So uh, it's all good. It makes me feel like I'm super special or something. <laughs> well, well, I mean, are. let's let's be fair. Well, Cody and I have been doing the, the, our, the podcast for about four years. KOTOR was pretty much our spark into the Star Wars universe. So this is all because of you. Oh, wow. <laughs> you're like the godfather of Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're up, you're up there with, uh, what's his name? The, George the, the Lucas? Lucas I'm kidding, that Lucas guy. <laughs> no, but I mean, to be fair, uh, with, with the prequels, uh, I mean, that kind of got us introduced, but what really got us hooked was uh, like KOTOR. So... Um, and I know a lot of our followers, since we ran, rant and raved about Koto for five, four years straight, um, that's how a lot of people found us. So, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's awesome to have you back on. So, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I uh, was pretty lucky to get into that old Republic uh, time era right when we were starting out. And, uh, you know, with the work at BioWare, which, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what I did there. But I always like to remind people, like, it wasn't just me, other writers, other people involved. Sure. But, uh, you know, and that led to the Darth Bane novels. So I kind of became the Old Republic guy for a while, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, they're starting to branch out a little bit into that with some other people. But uh, most of the stuff, the Old Republic has kind of been pushed to the side for a little while as Disney refocuses on the, uh, the current stuff. So I guess I still am sort of the main Old Republic guy for now. See, n- now my, my perfect picture of the future would be they since Ryan Johnson has his own trilogy coming up mm-hmm. is that one day Disney calls you up and says sit down with Ryan and let's do an old old republic trilogy i would lose my shit <laughs> if that happened. i mean sorry can i say that on your show i assume absolutely intro, i assume absolutely. from the intro that would be fine <laughs> yes yes we are very wrong that is yeah. part of the reason we put that yeah. intro in there it's like yeah. hey get ready mhm yeah, no, that would blow yeah, my it, mind. Uh, it's funny because I get you know people asking me, you know, well, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you given them a script? I'm like, they really, you don't realize how small a fish I am in the Star Wars movie pond. Like, yeah. there's like Star Wars games, Star Wars books, and then there's Star Wars movies, and it's a whole other level of, I don't know, a whole other level of stuff. And and they are like 
Drew who? What? We don't, I don't know that dude. I'm like, okay, fine. That's a good humility lesson right there. <laughs> <laughs> who am I really? Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, I hear you. Um, and I just, I don't know where they're going to take it. Cause they've been keeping it pretty close to the cuff as far as original trilogy characters and all this. So we've seen the force awakens. Mm-hmm. They still have Han. It's all about finding Luke. And then we go back and see rogue one and it's still in that era. And I'm like, when are they going to branch out or, or if, if and when they do, where, like mm-hmm. what timeline are they going to do? So mm-hmm. I think the door is starting to creak open and it's yeah, getting wider and I wider think, open. I think a lot of it will depend on how how well the solo movie does. Um, you know, I mean, it's still in that era, but it is, again, like a you know prequel sort of, you know, before the original films. Um, you know, I actually don't know the numbers on Rogue One compared to like, say, Force Awakens or Last Jedi. I don't know which of those, you know, if, if they saw a bigger audience for, say, Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, then they'd be less inclined to do some of the older stuff like Rogue One with characters that aren't involved in, you know, the original trilogy. But uh, like I say, I don't actually know what those numbers were like. So I'd be curious to see that. But I'm, I'm hoping as Disney gets more comfortable with Star Wars, they'll take a few more chances and, you know, maybe even do stuff like TV shows or, uh, you know, I don't know if Disney, uh, there's all these rumors they're going to start their own streaming service someday. So I'm like, well, then they need content. Mm-hmm. You know, just like Netflix does the original shows, they'll need original shows. So mm-hmm. God, anyone who, listening, I'm here. I'm here. Who, ready. Can, who <laughs> can keep up with Netflix original shows? They're pumping them out every week. It's and it's like watch. three full seasons. I'm like, <laughs> it's, there's so much stuff on TV that's worth watching now that I just, I can't keep up. You have yeah. to really be, you have to really pick and choose. Well, and that's kind of how I f- felt about Disney. You know, the, we, we've got three movies in about three years. Mm-hmm. That is so much, uh, and let alone all of the comic series that they're pumping out. They have the Poe series. I mean, I could go down the list. It's so hard to keep up with everything. Yeah. And even though I think the, the book, the novel game has slowed down a little bit, they're still pumping them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like you have to pick and choose of what you want to read and watch nowadays, especially with all the Marvel universe stuff flying out off the, yeah. the screens. Yeah. I mean, with, with, uh, with the company that owns as much of, of diff- or as many different IPs as Disney, I mean, there's so much going on, but they, they're still churning stuff out. Let me ask you guys this. Cause I, someone asked me this, do you think it makes it less special? Like, like does the excitement for the different movies go down? Mm-hmm. Like the solo movie, it's like, okay, it's the fourth movie in four years. Like, do you feel like there's like a little less hype from sort of fans or I don't know, is, is it almost overkill? Well, uh, we've had this conversation a lot. So like the oversaturation of the market, with yeah. it, it could be Marvel or Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And the only scrutiny that, I, that we kind of came to was we're still getting over The Last Jedi and now Solo is right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Now, if Solo was in December, we could have uh, absorbed what happened in the last Jedi over the next year. Mm-hmm. But with Solo being right here, until we saw like three trailers, we weren't really hyped about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we know. It was weird because, okay, they killed off Solo. And then what do they do right right after that? Let's do a Solo movie. Yeah. Like, we just got rid of him. <laughs> we just got rid of him. And now you're doing moment. him again. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's part of the problem. Well, not problem, but one of the things I find is... You know, you've got a storyline in your head. So, like, you know, the storyline's been running through The Force Awakens and then through The Last Jedi. And, you know, the pieces are moving and things are coming together. And you're like, what's going to happen next? And then they're like, oh, here's another movie that has nothing to do with that. 
but it's still Star Wars. And so I'm kind of like, it's hard to reconcile sort of those two storylines in my head. Like if, it, if they were separate TV series, I wouldn't jump back and forth like this. I would watch one mm-hmm. to the end and then I would watch like standalone episodes or something like that. But yeah, it's, I feel like maybe they're uh, distracting my focus a little bit when they do this. Um, you know, I don't want to be too critical because I do want to see, I do love Star Wars and I like to see Star Wars, you know, movies. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure if their business model is uh, trying to grab too much too quickly at maybe a little bit at the expense of sort of the the building mythology of the franchise, mm-hmm. the hype, the yeah. theories that are you know float around. The theories are 99 percent of Star Wars. You watch a movie and then everybody sits there for a year and yells at each say, other about what could about. or can't happen. Yeah, for two yeah. years. Yeah, I, I remember. Um, and this was a little different time, but when Empire uh, came out, I was still in school, and uh, I saw it in the theaters. And there was like fights on the playground of people who like were like, "Darth Vader's <laughs> not Luke's father." He, spoiler, people. Darth Vader's right. not Luke's father, and other people were like, "No, he isn't." People were like, "No, he's lying." And like, there was like actual fights between our like ten-year-old selves about <laughs> whether it was true or not, and uh, you know, it, it. And then that really wasn't resolved. To the satisfaction of these ten-year-old children, uh, until the uh, until um, Return of the Jedi came out. Mm-hmm. But now, like, you can be having debates about about stuff you saw in uh, in the Last Jedi, and then this other movie comes out, and that becomes sort of the focus of the conversation. When mm-hmm. Solo comes out, we're not going to be talking about it as much, and then you kind of got to restart that that uh, that hype machine, the theories, kind of get back into it after. After solo, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of well, actually the, like that the the main saga stuff is spread out far enough. Like mm-hmm. they can distract me a little bit with Rogue One. It's cool that it ties into four, but it in itself is not like the hugest story that I really have to like digest. It was more of a fun movie, like right to the point. You can watch it by itself and get the full picture. Like those are kind of cool to have in between this main story that we're gonna get, and then whenever Ryan's trilogy comes out or whoever's trilogy is next. You have an overarching storyline and in between are all these, you know, fun distractions like Solo and, and Rogue One and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I'm okay with it. Though I think it's it was ballsy for Disney to do non trilogy movies. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. that's all Star Wars is, is trilogies. Um yeah. and they're they're they continue to build those trilogies with uh, Last Jedi and the in the sequel trilogy here. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely loved the Last Jedi or um Rogue One. So I, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, that's too much, even though I loved it all. Right. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> too much so, content that I'm obsessed with and I want to watch 14 times and buy all the toys for. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If there's anything, it's just like too much for my wallet to handle. Having to buy these lines of toys that come out all the time and novels and comics and everything else. Yeah. For me, I felt like, like with Rogue One, I, I almost felt like I didn't get a chance to... <sighs> appreciate absorb the movie like it sort of came and went and because it wasn't part of the trilogy i was like okay that was that was that and then i I kind of it felt like it slipped away from the consciousness very quickly like the fan consciousness quicker than i thought it it should have because it then sort of got pushed out by you know the impending release of the last jedi which again like you said then all the theories start to come up and Mm -hmm. that's a huge part of it and it sort of felt like rogue one just kind of got pushed away but you're you're right to some degree in that it was just sort of a you know, fun action movie. They were, well, fun, they're fun, everyone dies. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we all yeah. had a blast. Spoiler, yeah. everybody. Spoiler. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I mean, 
So I don't know. For me, that's, I think that was part of where I first noticed it was for me, it felt like Rogue One. If it had, if it had been like after this trilogy and they had waited like <laughs> two years, I think it would have been a huge deal. And as it was, it kind of came and went. And I was like, it didn't feel like an event in the same way that, that it should have. Like it was the first mm-hmm. Star Wars movie that was like not tied in with, I mean, it was tied in, but not using like the original characters kind of set, you know, before the Star Wars we knew uh, from the films, which as someone who's written over Republic, very exciting for me. I was like, oh, awesome. They're going in this timeline. And maybe that's it. Maybe I wanted it to be a bigger deal. Maybe I was waiting for, for that to be such a huge deal that they would like come knocking on my door and be like, these, everyone loves these older movies. We need mm-hmm. these we're getting there. I think we're getting so. there once they get more comfortable with doing mm-hmm. something totally off the cuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they have to kind of make Rogue One. Yes, it's a spinoff, but they tied it very closely to Force. So we still have X-Wings yeah. and TIE Fighters and Bail Organa and Mon Mothma. Everybody's there. But it is their first venture out. And now yeah. that that's successful, now they're going to see what Solo does and they can just go a little further with it every time. So mm-hmm. by 2020, maybe we'll be in an Old Republic setting, which would be fucking sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be well, good. I, uh, I I think it's we're getting to the point, and they're starting to really push the boundaries to, you know, they tested the waters with Rogue One, where it almost feels more like an action war movie than a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. But at that same time, that's almost what I want. Mm-hmm. So, like the next film, can, can it be just called Job of the Hut? It'll be like a vile gangster movie, and so and then the about next to movie, be, uh, can, like a heist movie. Let, yeah, and then the next one, can we do like a scary Star Wars movie? Like, I want to push those boundaries into, and a, even with the different directors, mm-hmm. that's so exciting for me mm-hmm. to see different points of view on this universe that's been not overdone, but you know, they're, they're trudging through the same thing. We're on our third trilogy, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I think it's, I think it's awesome. The more the more content, the better. I agree. Yeah, I think um, one of the things for me is I, I agree with you. I like to see that, but. It happens so much faster in comics and books because the cost is so much lower. The investment is so much lower for the company. So you see all these interesting directions they can go. And the films are, are such massive tent poles of the corporate uh, timeline, uh, you know, the, the business plan. that mm-hmm. they, they almost can't take as many risks as they want. And you're right. It's going to be a slow progression. Like they'll dip their toes into the water and they'll go a little farther. And so it's going to be a gradual sort of... Uh, opening up of the universe. And, and maybe that's just it. I'm just a little more impatient. I'd like them to be more aggressive. But I understand when a movie, you know, costs whatever it is, $300 million to make and market. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're relying on it bringing in $2 billion to fund your company for the next year. Mm-hmm. You don't want to take a lot of risks. I, I get that. but uh, <laughs> Gradual risks. Yeah. But, yeah. If, but if there's a company out there that can take a risk oh, yeah. and, and, and can fund a risk, mm-hmm. it's Disney. Mm-hmm. So I'm just waiting for them just to blow the doors open on something crazy. I'm hoping Solo really starts pushing it in a new direction where mm-hmm. it's in the same like nitty gritty universe as Rogue One, but mm-hmm. kind of on a personal level where they start testing people's character or their, you know, their mentalities almost. Because mm-hmm. um, that's, I don't think we really f- have felt that too much in the in the newer stuff. I haven't seen people be tested, mm-hmm. um, which I, th- well, we'll get into it a little in, bit. In Last Jedi, I feel, but yeah. We can, well, yeah, maybe, I guess that's true. We can with dive into Kylo like, thinking about killing his own mom and yeah, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, we can dive into there. Do you want to? Um, so you know, this is not a normal time, not a normal episode. We're not doing a beer review. Um, I had some coffee. Moper had some Red Bull. Do you want to do our little um, Star Wars guest the scene? 
I'll try it. I'm gonna suck, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll do we've, it. we've we'll had do a few people. We did it. We did a month with uh, with no beer reviews at all, and we kind of did that as a placeholder. And people said they actually liked it, so we're gonna keep doing it a little bit. All right. <laughs> so, so the numbers that uh, Commander had randomly picked up was one. So we're looking at episode one, and we're we're the minute that we're guessing. So we're kind of guessing the scene. It's uh, 74 minutes in. Which would be so an hour and about 14. Hour, hour 14 minutes, hour 15 minutes into. Ooh. Okay. Episode one. Okay. If I mess this and up, so we people are going to be what pissed. that scene is. Is that how this works? Yeah. Yeah. Guess so we're kind of guessing going on. what's happening in that scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm trying to run through episode one in my head. And I'll <laughs> yep. tell you how I'm doing it. I'm using the Weird Al Yankovic uh, Saga <laughs> Begins story, which Perfect. people haven't uh, seen as a fan video on YouTube that takes clips from the movie for that. If you haven't seen it, that's so awesome. I remember listening to that time and I'm time again to, back then. Trying man. to run through. Yeah, people are going to be pissed how if long I mess is this up one? because this is one of my favorite ones. Um, that's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to check. Because they land, you got to see, you got to think, they land on Tatooine pretty quickly. They're on Tatooine for a little while, but I think they might even be off Tatooine by that point. Mm. They might be on Coruscant. 74 minutes is such an odd... I know. <laughs> I'm going to say... Um, yeah, I'm going to say Anakin's meeting the Jedi Council. That's my guess. He's cold. That part. Cold, He's sir. cold. Cold, cold sir. sir. <laughs> That's my guess. He's cold. Uh-oh. We lost him. I think he, he had too much frustrations with episode one. Yeah, he said, I ain't fucking guessing this. He's not having it anymore, man. Where'd he go? Drew... No. Yeah, he's like, we're supposed to be talking about Old Republic. You guys brought up Phantom Menace. I'm the fuck out of here. <laughs> I understand. It's not happening, man. Uh, all right, let's pause for a quick second. The, the, the rage has filled him. He went to go find a youngling to slaughter. Say he went straight Darth Bane style on it. <laughs> That's funny. I'm still guessing. Please stand by. Now we have more time to think about the scene. We can win. We can win. <laughs> let, me, let, me walk, let me plug it in. Yeah, me, hang on. Let me pull it up really quick on my phone. Blu-ray in. Yeah. I'm trying to think like the pod race, it it takes a while. But if we're talking over an hour in, an hour, an hour 15 minutes in, they have to be off Tatooine. You, we aren't spending an hour on Tatooine. See, that's the, the movie is only two hours long. That's the first thing I thought. But they have to get there, meet Watto, go through all that shit, do the pod race and all that before they leave. So I'm thinking like it's right after they left, maybe first arrival on Coruscant or something like that. I say I'd almost say they're leaving Coruscant because they have to get back, talk to Boss Nass, get set up, and then do the four scene thing. Mm-hmm. Drew, he that's what he did. Drew went, went to turn turn the movie on and watch it. He's <laughs> gonna come back like, and I figured this out. You guys lose. You liar! <laughs> you are with him. Sorry. Drew, no! You're all with him? I think it was a globalist. They they heard him talking shit about Disney. <laughs> Disney's like, yeah, we're cutting that short. Yeah. He's pissed. He said, The Last Jedi wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> True Disney form. Any criticism? All of a sudden, a SWAT team broke into Drew's house. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Steve DiMatteo's in here. He said it's uh, Tatooine. 
Uh, he said he's guessing the Darth Maul fight outside the ship before they take off. Erdogan, drop! Erdogan, drop! It's 74 minutes in! Drop! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Qui-Gon, sir, my legs are tough. <laughs> I love your first... Qu <laughs> I think it's uh, Anakin. He's cold. He's cold. Cold, sir. <laughs> Holy shit. The globalists are taking over. Now. Now. Someone reset his internet. I was going to say maybe a uh, cat walked by and unplugged the router. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> up, up, up. There he is. Oh, he's Hello? back. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all good. You hear me now? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't know what the hell happened. Everything just absolutely crashed. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. You're lies. I think you you, pl you put in I episode did. one. I was gone for seventy four minutes to watch up to the. <laughs> I was saying you put the Blu ray oh. in. He's like, I'm not gonna I'm lose this. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hell happened. I had to reboot my whole freaking computer, but okay. Oh, it's all good. So. I'm here. All right. Where, where, where were we? Were we uh, still trying to decide on the scene? Did you guys figure it out or not yet? Not yet. Not yet. I, okay. I, I am guessing that they're okay. They're they're leaving Coruscant to go back to Naboo to go after. Oh shit! That's oh. Uh, I was thinking it was the when uh, he's talking to the Jedi Masters and they were like, "We're not going to train him." Okay. Cold, sir. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of our buddies on the on the live stream guessed the Darth Maul duel outside the ship before they leave Tatooine. Oh, okay. The first Darth Maul duel. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, I, I just have a feeling that the, the last four battle scenes take up like 45 minutes. That's kind of what I'm banking on. It mm. is, yeah, it is quite a while. Because we've got the Gungans fighting the, the droids. We've got the, the palace run with the queen mm -hmm. we've got maul versus the jedi and then mm -hmm. we've got anakin in the starship right so i th yeah i feel like between bouncing back and forth those that so has to be like 45 one minutes. of the uh when that movie came out sorry side note uh one of the guys i worked with is a man named james olin who's very instrumental in bioware and the creation of bioware and huge star wars fan he said it was really interesting because uh, he said if you look at the first four movies the first star wars movie uh, uh new hope ends with one big battle scene and it's the, the death run, uh, the run against the Death Star. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Empire had two because it was the space battle and then Luke and Vader. And he's like, Jedi had three because it was the space battle, Luke and Vader, and uh, on the planet and surface trying to take out the thing. And then he's like, and there was four in Phantom Menace with, like, well, you just listed all four. Um, yeah. And he's like, so is there going to be five in the next movie? <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's sustainable, but I just found it interesting that he... Notice that specifically. Sorry. Although I, no, I wouldn't put it past George to try something like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Revenge of the yeah. Sith, like the Jedi are taking over, the, someone's getting slaughtered, <laughs> Order 66 is happening, the, the wars are going on, all that stuff. <laughs> Obi-Wan's in the bar drinking. <laughs> getting yeah. death, death sticks. Drinking away his sorrows. Are you ready? All right. Let's yeah. do it. We were all wrong. Oh. Is it, is it the pod race? No, it's after that. Anakin is gathering all of his shit to leave. Oh. To, to oh, say so, goodbye to his mom. God. Okay. So okay. way earlier than, than we thought. Yeah, I was it's pushing been a boundaries. Long time before they get to him, I guess. Yeah, it's a while before he even shows up. And then it's an, another long while before they uh, get to Coruscant, too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I underestimated the the first Power of the Dark Naboo, Side. N- Naboo run where they get there, get through the Gungans. Mm-hmm. Naboo's a lot longer than I remember. Yeah, yeah. the Planet okay. Core. The Planet Core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Man, we were way off. Yep. <laughs> I was. I was way <laughs> off. Terrible fans. <laughs> Bad Star Wars fans. I'm going to have to rewatch that one. What was that one called? <laughs> Good day, Galaxy. Mopar here with, uh, what's the what's your name? Uh, commander, maybe? <laughs> As always, the Commander joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Why? If you guys want to, uh, if you guys are fans of the podcast and only listen to the audio stuff, maybe using iTunes and whatnot, you guys can uh, get some extra special video footage shit. It's on, it's on YouTube. You guys can head on over to YouTube, Rogue Squadron Podcast. You can search it up. Um, we do record pretty much every episode. Uh, we also record our Patreon calls with our Patreon members. So you guys can j- go over there and uh, actually watch us in our pretty faces. If, you, if you're sitting around, uh, you know, uh, no pants on, on a couch, you know, you want to look at some uh, great things. Half um, pants on. Maybe. Half pants on. One leg. We're, one leg. we're a great show for people to have pants on. Yes, yes. So like I said, if you want to just uh, add a little bit of your experience, uh, <laughs> add a little bit more to your experience with us, uh, definitely head on over to YouTube, Rogue Squadron Podcast. Just subscribe. Um, and it also will let you know when we go live. Uh, and that's probably the the best thing about it. Not only do you get to see our pretty faces, but um, you, guys, you can join us when we record live. Right now it's uh, Sunday evenings, but, you know, that's always subject to change because uh, we haven't done that for like three weeks. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll at least send you an email. Rogue Squadron Podcast has gone live, and then you can join us and uh, chit chat with us while we record. So extra bonus features. All right, Drew. So you were on in 2015. So I know we spent a lot of time talking about Kotor, and I'm sure we'll get to more Kotor and Bane shit later on because we can't stop playing it and reading it. Um, but we talked before any of the new Disney stuff came out. So let's go in. I want to hear a little bit about, you know, like what were you thinking that Star Wars was finally back as far as like a main saga went? What do you think about Seven? We talked about Rogue One a little bit, but I mainly want to hear um, about Seven and Eight, like this whole new arc this of the sequel uh, trilogy. So, so I'm a little bit conflicted with those. So Seven, here was my feeling of Seven. I really, really enjoyed the first two-thirds of the movie, maybe, three-quarters. And then the last, I don't know, whatever it was, half hour, it just felt too familiar to me. It felt like that some that I could see them saying, we have to hit certain beats. Um, for some reason, the the uh, solo, uh, the Han Solo's death didn't resonate with me very well. I felt like, because I almost felt like I could see it coming from so far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it almost felt like they were felt they were obligated, and also, you know, there's all the backstory outside the film stuff of Harrison Ford, you know, maybe not wanting to do these anymore. But um, I'm not sure why. Like I said, I really enjoyed the uh, the stuff with uh, Finn and Ray. Um, I, I actually even really, uh, some people didn't like it, but I enjoyed the stuff on uh, the Millennium uh, when they find um, Han Solo and those pirates show up with the. I don't yeah. remember what they're called, but weird, uh, the weird... The Rathars. The Rathars. Thank you. I enjoyed all that. Um, it was just that final act. I don't know. just felt a little too familiar to me. Um, 
I mean, it, was, it, was, it was a trench run all over again. Yeah, it just it did. It felt too familiar. Um, but for the most part, like I say, I really enjoyed the tone of the first two thirds of that movie. Um, I liked the new characters. I really uh, thought they. I I liked all three of the new main characters, uh, Finn, Kylo, and Ray. I thought were great. Um, so I enjoyed that. Uh, and then the last Jedi. Uh oh, big gas. Oh well, gosh. So, <laughs> Deep breath. So. It felt to me a little bit um, that they went. Felt to me like uh, 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 Ryan, Ryan Johnson was director, right? Yeah, yeah. It felt to me like he spent more time and energy actively rejecting premises set up in the first movie. So, an example is uh, right at the end of the first movie. Right, Ray gives Luke hands the lightsaber to Luke, right? And he takes it, and that's sort of the end, and it's like this powerful moment. And then when you watch The Last Jedi, yeah, he tosses it over his shoulder. There's a Monty Python cat sound. I'm just like, what? I mean, there wasn't, but we might as well. <laughs> and it felt to me like he was kind of giving the finger to, not necessarily the fans, but he was like, I'm doing my thing. Screw you guys. And I was like, okay, but you can do that in a way that is respectful of what came before. And there was a lot of humor in that movie, that I did not like. I didn't like the weird fish, nun, alien things, whatever, frog alien. <laughs> the fish, <laughs> nun, alien thing. Yeah, whatever. I'm writing that down. Um, it, it really changed for me what happened with Luke. Like, to me, it was like Luke is on this isolated island by himself, a meditative retreat. He's distanced himself from the world. I'm like, oh, no, wait. He's got a bunch of servants who do his laundry. <laughs> oh, he's at a resort. He's on vacation. Well, that he's totally on. changes what his character is. Like, it totally changes what he's done. It's not this sort of sad, lonely, desperate thing. It's like, oh, yeah, he's chilling. He's got a Mai Tai. He's drinking blue milk right from the teat. I'm like, eh. So I wasn't a fan of that. Um, And I'll be honest, I thought they introduced too many new characters too quickly. I felt like Finn's storyline kind of got uh, absorbed into all the stuff with, um, oh, my God, I can't, with Rose. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it kind of it felt like they wanted more characters in there. And I get it. You want more characters. But it felt like they didn't give the focus that I wanted on the characters that I wanted, the characters that I knew, the characters that I was familiar with. Um, I did feel there was a little too much going on in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the stuff I really liked. I loved the Rashomon style, um, you know, different. Here's what happened. Here's Luke's version. Here's Kylo's version. Here's the truth yep. of all like what sort of turned him dark. Um, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was really interesting. As a storyteller, I love seeing those kinds of things like, you know, um, revisiting a scene in different ways and seeing how it happened. Um, so there was a lot of good stuff in the movie, but it was hard for me to see past a lot of the things that just annoyed me that I was like, I don't know why you did that. And it really distracted me from a lot of what what I wanted to enjoy in the movie. Um so that was my take on it. Um, that was pretty I, much like I say, I, spot on with like the our first viewing. We felt pretty mm-hmm. much that same way. We walked out. And we we're like, mm-hmm. he just like shit on everybody's theories like on purpose and tried to make jokes, but they didn't work. And what the hell happened? And why is Rose? And why are they on horses? And mm-hmm. why that, is Rose? Why? That's the that's the name <laughs> of the game. Why, why is, Rose? is Rose? Yeah. Why is she? Yeah. Why is well, she? Well, that whole that whole that whole plot line just. I that was, was bad. I, I mean, I get, I've heard people make the argument that like it shows that like failure is the ongoing theme. And I'm like, okay, but you still don't have to show me that plot line. Like it was 
kind of characters I didn't care about on a world I didn't care about doing stuff I didn't care about. And thank God they saved the horses, but left the slave children behind because, you know, <laughs> that's what's important. I was just like, really? Like, yeah, the Canto bite scene is it's probably one of the most cringy scenes um, but it was like a plot device to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. But we've always argued like you could have done that in so many different ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could have done it on on the ship itself where mm-hmm. the the resistance was left. You could have yeah. had some struggle um, that maybe the commander Holdo thought that there was a um, a traitor on board. Yeah, I, I felt well, and I felt I mean they did go in that direction a little bit when they have the mutiny, <laughs> but it kind of just came and went really quickly, and I was yeah. like. If they had focused more on that, then also you could have had more time building up Holdo's character, which would have made her sacrifice more impactful. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff like that where I felt like they just had too much going on, too many bells and whistles, too many distractions. I would rather keep the focus narrower and dig deeper yeah. into some of these characters, into some of these conflicts. Because yeah. I felt there was a lot of really interesting potential with a lot of this stuff. And some of it, I felt, went unfulfilled. Sorry, the other thing that I found... About the movie that they did, they did this a couple times. They they really wanted to set up a dramatic moment, so they did things that I was like, okay, that that doesn't really match what was in the IP before, and it also breaks the IP in some way. So the first one that that wasn't as bad was the the bombing run right at the start, where I, I believe it's Rose's sister mm-hmm. dies, where she goes to activate the bombing thing, and it's I'm like, why would you make a bomber where you have to literally physically go to the space, to, like, why can't you do that from the cockpit? That is just beyond dumb. But they really, really wanted to set up the, the tension of the moment. So I was like, all right, I'll let it slide. But then, of course, the thing at the end with the hyperspace ship, I'm like, and I've heard different arguments. I've heard people say it's not as powerful as it seemed. But I'm like, wow, if, if hyperspacing through ships does that, why haven't we seen that? that? That is the defining weapon of warfare. Oh, yeah. And that should be something everybody protects against, uses, defends against. But it's almost like she's the first person who ever thought of it. I'm like, I can't believe in the history of Star Wars, no one's ever thought to ram another ship at hyperspace speed before. Because it sure seems effective. Like, I mean, sure, you died, but I'm like... It definitely so, worked. Yeah, what, what if you put, a, a, you know, a fighter pilot or a, a fighter, uh, like an X-Wing piloted by, you know, a droid. BB-8. Yeah. No, uh, don't so sacrifice really BBAs. They really wanted that moment, and it did look cool. But I'm like, that's a that's a IP genre, that's an IP destroying moment. It totally changes everything, and I know they're never going to address it again. Hmm. That was my so, favorite part of the movie. <laughs> it's an amazing visual. It looks super cool, and it was shot in an amazing way. I, I, I could be wrong, but I think it, like everything goes silent for a minute or for yeah, a second. it's it's like, like a. Beautiful it's silence shot there. Amazing. It's a great moment. But I feel this movie had too much of that. They're like, here's a moment that is great. It doesn't really fit with what's come before, what's come after, what we're trying to build up. The pieces were all interesting, but I don't think they put them together. They didn't put a lot together. I call it the lost syndrome. So the TV show Lost, yep. that all the time. There'd be something cool. And I'm like, they don't have a plan. This is going to just peter out. It's not going to make any <laughs> sense. And it really never did. Things would come and go. And for me, the entire show didn't make sense. Right. You got to the last season and you're like, I finished this, but I don't have no clue what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's kind of that syndrome. I get you. And, and to me, that's something I, I think maybe because I am a writer and for me, especially, I really like to try to plot things out and make sure that things come back around and that if something's in there, 
it ties in later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for so you to not personal, focus on it. Yeah, it's a personal buzz, uh, you know, personal hot button for me. Yeah. So that was something that I did did annoy me about that movie to some degree. What about oh. uh, Kylo? How are you feeling about Kylo now? Mm. I, I still like him. Um, I, I've I've actually always kind of liked his character. I know there was the whole like emo emo Ren, uh, you know, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, buzz, but uh, sort of that that kind of stuff. But I I always uh, I've always liked Kylo Ren's what they're doing with him. Um, somebody said something that I thought would have been really interesting was. I don't know how they would have done it, but it would have been kind of cool if um, through the scene uh, where the Emperor dies and whatever, if Ray somehow went to the dark side and Kylo came back to the light and they flipped, I think that would have been a really interesting direction. I'm not sure how you even do that or how that makes sense, but... Um, I was hoping she would have felt... went with him. Sorry? I was hoping that she would have went with him. Yeah, even that. Yeah, even something like that. Like that would I think would have been really interesting. Um, but I like Kylo's character. Um I'm not a fan of uh, blonde Nazi guy. I can't remember his name. Hux. <laughs> Hux, thank you. Sorry. Fred Weasley. I actually like Hux. I like Hux <laughs> versus Kylo because they're yeah. on such opposite ends. It's almost like a, mm-hmm. uh, a Tarkin invader mm-hmm. where they dislike each other greatly, but mm-hmm. they also both respect each other because, you know... I, yeah, I think for me, the problem was Hux. He just seems... And again, it was more in this movie than in the previous movie, but they, they kind of played him up for laughs a few too many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, I just, I'm real, again, I, I love humor in the right way. Um, if, a, if a movie does it well or if it's a comedy, but when you do humor in like serious movies, I, it's very easy to take me out of the moment. And I'm like, people, I don't know. It feels like you're undercutting all the work you've done to build the tension of a scene. Um, yeah. Could you imagine in your Bane series where Bane is laughing his ass off, like <laughs> telling jokes yeah. to someone? It would have taken everything out of Bane. Like, yeah. what? Well, and I get it in movies. Like, I like that it's in there, and there was plenty of beats of that in Force Awakens. I think there was just like too, too many in Last Jedi. That That's what I thought. I thought Force Awakens worked well. Like, the, the times where, um, where Poe was like smart mouthing people and stuff mm-hmm. worked well, I thought in the Force Awakens. But I thought they went over. The, I think what happened was they said everybody loves that. Let's keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think they had too much of it. Um, the scene at the beginning with the like, you know, the, the weird radio call with him and Hux, I yeah. felt just went a little too long. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of did the same thing over and over. And again, it made me think of Hux on just like, you know, what Tarkin would have done. Tarkin would have said kill him yeah that, that yeah and that scene would have been eight seconds long and and Bo would be dead yeah as soon and, as he got on the felt, call it's would be like blast that yeah shit. yeah and i just felt like it kind of went a little too long and yeah i agree so there was again there's there's lots of little small things that by themselves i could get over but there were so many of them it just it it, it bothered me with uh with the last jedi it's it's interesting that you say that because like like you said there's there's like key climaxes in this movie where it's just like look at this scene but the build up to it is so bad mm-hmm. in, in certain aspects like uh, just like you were talking about where they take out a dreadnought but the lead up to is like a, a prank call from Poe to Huck and I'm like this is yeah. not a good way to first off start the movie like right. this is a <laughs> awkward scene Yeah, why would you put this up front we haven't even seen these characters for five minutes yet and you're already already doing this right um 
Yeah, it, it took kind of uh, um, the seriousness out of the movie, and then they tried to like make it more serious in the end because mm-hmm. it's everything's on the line. These people, it's the last fifty people, the resistance, right. but Poe's over here still being a jackass. Right. Like what? Get off the screen. Yeah, it was so mm-hmm. close. It was so close <laughs> yeah. to being like well balanced. They just pushed yeah. it. Yeah, like that scene was like a little bit too long. Luke the throwing the lightsaber. Maybe if I had that, but he wasn't getting the green milk from the walrus thing, we, I would be okay with that. Yeah. It's just yeah. like the combo of all of it. Um, but overall, like like you said, there's like little bits that you didn't like, but I think as an overall movie, I really do enjoy it. But, and you know, we sit there and mm-hmm. notice all of those little ridiculous bits in all the Star Wars movies. So I'm, a, yeah. I'm a, almost, I'm not, I'm not 100% happy with the actual film, but where it takes us, I am happy. Where Kylo's now the supreme leader. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I wanted. He's finally found it, finding his like niche in the dark side where he mm-hmm. he knows what he has to do all of a sudden. The resistance, their back is up against the wall. Mm-hmm. They're all on the Millennium Falcon, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. So sweet. Uh, but how they got from A to B, it's like, whoa, there was a lot of cringy <laughs> stuff in between there. So yeah. I have to imagine this. I, I, I kinda like I agree with you. I think I think they're set up well for the next, you know, portion, the next uh Portion. That's the next this trilogy, uh, or the next at the end of this trilogy, and then you know who knows what's coming after that. Um, I do think they did. I do like where they ended up. Um, I did like, like I said, there's a lot about the movie I did like. I actually enjoyed the the Snoke's ending, uh, mm-hmm. like the, the battle scene and the you know the taking him out and everything. And I, I a lot of people didn't like it, but I kind of thought it was clever that he's like, you know, I see you using your lightsaber against your enemy, and it's like, well, yeah, that's you. Um, yeah, I, I thought I, I enjoyed that. Some people didn't, but I, I did. Um, I liked the whole ending with the Luke, uh, mm-hmm. the projection Luke. Oh, that was badass. That, yeah, was so, I, I, that so worked sweet. great for me. I thought that was well done. Um, and I, I'm not one of those people who notices. I notice story and dialogue clues, but I don't notice little things. Like I didn't notice Luke wasn't making footprints in the snow. I didn't right? the first time either. Yeah, that's um, so cool though. But it's funny because I saw it with uh, someone who's... Uh, a friend of mine uh, that used to work at Bioware, and he's uh, in, uh, one of the cinematics uh, visual guys. And he like, he instantly noticed that. It was just kind of funny. I'm just like, oh, everyone pays attention to different things. Yeah. Uh, it, that pissed but, me off because I caught it, but I didn't. I was like, right? they are focusing so much on the ground right now. Something's mm-hmm. happening. And then I, the rest of it flew over my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're focusing on something that, yeah. I, that I'm missing. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I get back to. The, the perfect story, which is well, like Mass Effect, um, where where Shepard is put into situations that you have to choose. It they, it forces you into those situations, and that creates the character. When I look at this movie, I think, what situations has Ray been presented where she has to choose between two things? I'm like, she not really anything. She's just been good-hearted she's born on a junkyard mm-hmm. and now she can lift rocks mm-hmm. so i think there's i think there's a lack of character development and that's what i just want more issues more conflict in the, in these and i, I think we see a, uh, plenty of conflict in, in kylo but outside of that yeah it's it's just not as as, as deep of character development as i want yeah ray kind of kind of feels like she's getting swept up in shit with the resistance and that's bringing things up like with <laughs> that she has to decide on or choose between, mm-hmm. but she's not making any active decisions for herself. 
Like she just, these, these people land on Jakku and she ends up going with them. And then she ends up meeting Luke on Octo. And that's just like, it's all circumstantial is what it feels like. Yeah. What she's not making her. a decision. Whereas Kylo has been struggling with some of these issues, like since he was born, because he's part <laughs> of like the most famous family in the galaxy and he has to deal with that. Right. And well, and the movie does get into a lot of, I mean, the, like I say, with that, that incident when Luke was training Kylo, mm-hmm. I mean, it is sort of a, to some, on some level that part of the movie is a Kylo origin story. Right. Mm-hmm. So he gets a little more focus. Um, at least in this movie, I think the Force Awakens had a, a little bit more of Ray, and I was able to get a better understanding of her. But I, I do see your point of like she didn't make. There's not a lot of choices where I, or not a lot of points where I would say, well, you know, I could see her making another choice because she kind of went from a shitty life to like, well, of course you're going to want to leave the planet. Why, why wouldn't you want to leave that shitty planet? Like, of yeah. So there isn't, there hasn't been a lot of yeah difficult choices for her. They've all been pretty, pretty straightforward and obvious. Um, and they've just been falling back onto she wants to know who her parents are. It's like, okay, like mm-hmm. I understand that. That's Star Wars is family. We've we've mm-hmm. learned that over several sagas. But like Luke had to choose whether to stay on Dagobah or go help and save his friends. Right. And he made that choice and it kind of works out, but it also kind of doesn't. Ray is kind of just floating along like like uh commander said, just it's all circumstances and it mm-hmm. it it's uh it's pissing me off. <laughs> like yeah, like Ray, Ray herself. What are the what are the consequences of the stuff that she did in seven and eight? Like you could say there was sacrifices in the resistance, but is she a member of the resistance or is she kind of just she's kind of there on the side? But like the stuff that like she's Poe po has more. Yeah, depth like he has to he, feel he, that he, weight of the people in yeah. the resistance dying. But Ray didn't really know Luke long enough for his like his death to impact her that much. Like what is what are the consequences of the shit that she's had to do? She's mm-hmm. just kind of like along for the ride. Man. I, yeah. uh, I, I have a question. Uh, what did you think of the whole, like, your parents are nobodies? Like, were you like, oh, thank God they're not related? Or were you like, eh, it feels like a missed opportunity? Or I, like, where did you guys feel on, on her parentage? Or do you think that that wasn't true? What was said? I think he's lying. I think yeah. he's trying to put her down because he feels like in the force, she's an equal adversary. Mm-hmm. And if, if he puts her down... Because he was trying to get her to join. Mm-hmm. Right. So if he puts her down, obviously if she joins, Kylo would be the master. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, I think, I honestly think it's fake. I think uh, her parents are someone important. So I, I really felt that, like, after watching The Force Awakens, I thought for sure they would have something with her parents being important. And then this came up and I was like, now is that, again, Ryan Johnson just going, fuck that? Yeah. Or, or was it, like you said, was it just a lie? And I mean, they could spin it either way, depending, even no matter what Ryan Johnson wanted, the next movie can take it in either direction. Yeah, so I, I wasn't so. sure about that. I was kind of wondering if, if that was a lie or... Because I'm trying to think who her parents could be that would make sense. Like Mon Mothma or some, something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Someone that would be impactful enough that, that people would be like, oh my God. But I'm, I don't know. It's hard to come up with who that would be. Yeah, like if it's Luke, it's too a easy. Weird thing with her and Kylo being too related again, either. <laughs> yeah, true. But I, I think at the same time, I, I think it. Even if her parents are nobody, I think mm-hmm. that speaks true to all those characters in the Star Wars universe that are force sensitive and don't have the Skywalker bloodline. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we are finally got to that point where there was a whole Jedi Order. We have mm-hmm. thousands of Jedi's that aren't called Skywalker. Let's talk about other people that 
aren't from that bloodline mm-hmm. and that and that are maybe from nowhere like oh my god Jack is she Jack from Jack. mace windu's bloodline it was mace like <laughs> up there just pounding uh, pounding uh, pounding uh, uh pounding tang across the galaxy and, <laughs> and she's like one of his illegitimate children that would be so awesome or obi-wan he could have done some drunken stupor on tatooine yeah nice one one bender and long, yeah, long evening after uh, <laughs> yeah. hanging out at the cantina, just ended bought up with somebody. A, bought a slave from Watto. If he's still around. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. Oh, Jesus. No, I um the 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 diehard Star Wars fan like detail expanded universe of me wants it to be she wants me to be um wants Ray to be Luke's daughter. Mm-hmm. But from a storytelling perspective and like moving Star Wars forward, I really like that we're getting away from the Skywalkers. Like the fact that yeah, she can well, be kind of like Anakin and she's and, not and really if she's anybody. his daughter. Then we get into the whole weird, like, like cousin love. Like that means her and, uh, and Kylo are first cousins, which is pretty, I yeah. don't know. I and don't then, know yeah. and then you have the whole, living, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the whole issue of people yeah. being like, Oh, it's just Jaina and Jason solo again. Why did you mm-hmm. do that? But not mm-hmm. do it the right way. Right. So I don't know. I, I love it. And I hate it. Um, if JJ, changes it back to her being related mm-hmm. to somebody, I wouldn't be mad. And if mm-hmm. it sticks with her being a nobody, I yeah. am not mad about that either. Maybe it was like an offspring of the librarian in the Jedi temple, <laughs> that one that yells at Obi-Wan. <laughs> Your planet doesn't yeah. exist. I know everything here. Yeah. That's now what about her. Snoke uh kind of not <sighs> you know, not having a backstory or, you know, like like no he's just sort of a generic bad guy now. Like there's a lot of like, who is he? Where did he come from? And they're kind of like, eh, doesn't matter. Like, I love it. Okay that. Does it bother you? It does what happened in the original trilogy. No one knew anything about the emperor. He's yeah. The emperor. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. It didn't bother me. I know a lot of people were upset by it. I, I, I thought it was fine. I was like, he's <laughs> giant, scary, weird, bad guy. I mean, it's, that's, he's a means to an end for it. Kylo. I mean, the story is about Kylo and Ray. Yeah. yeah. He's a means to an end for them to get what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I was mad about it the first time just because I wanted to learn more about him. Mm -hmm. Not because it didn't fit the story, just because I was Mm -hmm. wanting to go in and be like, who's Snoke? Give me a little bit of info. Um, But looking back now, it's it's fine. Yeah. I'm cool with it. I think... uh, That's that's where I was too. He... I think that was one of the the events in in The Last Jedi that I was okay with that the fact that they they killed off Snoke Mm -hmm. was so interesting to me and it it wasn't a toss of the lightsaber over the shoulder mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't think that if really affected anything i think it was passing the torch on to kylo and mm-hmm. and kind of moving it forward yeah as opposed to ryan like you said shitting on our all of our theories mm-hmm. uh, i thought that was the one that made sense to me mm-hmm. like it, it, it legitimizes kylo mm-hmm. it puts kylo in the position that he needs to be um so by doing that I don't think it yeah. took, took anything away from the well, story, but it was it, also it did pretty. I mean, they definitely built up the scene. It was a big dramatic scene. Had a big battle after. Like there was a lot. It wasn't like a moment that just came and went, right? They actually right. spent some time on it. You know, it matters to the characters. Um, like you said, it's really sort of a, a Kylo character arc, but um, but they they did spend the time with it. They did the groundwork. They made sure it had impact. So yeah, I was I was good with that too. I was just curious. I know some people were really bothered by that, and I was kind of like, yeah. It actually worked for me. So I have a feeling I mean, that every, a lot every of, single one of my theories was wrong. So I hate <laughs> right, the movie. Right. Yeah, I have to imagine that a lot of the stuff is a lot of stuff that people are mad about is just what they wanted to see but didn't happen. Yeah, it has more to do about you know 
as a Star Wars fan, I want all the details, like those visual dictionaries. I want to know why Snoke has that ring and what it means, like all of that stuff. I think that happens a lot for people because we're waiting for the new material to come out and we're just so curious about what it's going to be. And then when that mm -hmm. doesn't happen, it totally changes. And we can't really look at the movie objectively anymore because we're wrapped up in that stuff. Yeah. Well, not only that, but we've... So the original trilogy was... And I always call it closed in. It was very closed in. It was focused on a certain number of characters and it was mm -hmm. telling their story. And then mm -hmm. we get to the prequels where it's a wide open universe. They're shoving stuff, different aliens, and, mm -hmm. and there's thousands of Jedi. There's everything going on. So we've got the complete opposites of the spectrum. And they're trying to do something in the middle mm. where we'll go to Canto Bite and you'll see all the crazy aliens. But it's still about just Finn and, and Rose, whether you like it or not, you know, that 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 area but i feel like they're trying to find a happy medium and it's it's we're getting to a point where it's not original trilogy and it's not prequel mm -hmm. it's hard style, to, it's hard to but find it, they're that. trying to find their own their own niche there Which and is, I, you know i mean obviously you don't want to just do what's been done before but for right. me what i find like as a creative person is when you try to split the difference on something like that like you said it's half this half that it rarely works it usually mm -hmm. just becomes sort of a an undefined mess you need to pick a lane and kind of go all in um, to really make things work. And I think that might be one of the problems, like why some of the things don't fit together for me, because they are kind of trying to have it both ways and mm -hmm. trying to appeal to sort of a crowd that liked the, the original trilogies and trying to get that stuff from the new ones. And I'm not saying you can't evolve and grow um, your story or your universe. Um, you can't, I'm not saying you can't change the way you tell things, but it does feel like you said, they're doing a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B mm -hmm. and, Maybe it's not kind of the best mix, and and I, I, like I say, it, it takes you know, time. If we, it, if we look, does. if we look back on the original trilogy as a whole, that's nine to ten years of well, mm -hmm. maybe even a little longer than that. It's like nine years of work. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot of stuff to look back on. We get to back look back at the entire thing and judge it. Right now, we're in the midst of everything. When you yeah. take into account that people were mad about the prequels. And then Disney buys Star Wars and people are uneasy about that. And I think it makes sense that they came back with Force Awakens. That was just like a new hope and Ray's just like Luke. I, I get that. But that's a jumping off point. And as they start to announce new directors and Jon Favreau's doing an entire Star Wars TV show, like they can start to evolve. It's just we're in the middle of it right now, which it just feels yeah. weird. It's a weird transition. Growing pains. Yeah. Well, the, I think the, the bad... The bad part of it is it, there's not a good transition from The Force Awakens to The Last Jedi. Yeah, it's weird. And they're like glaringly different. Not yeah. just not just the, does the plot fit, does the character <laughs> development fit. It's just glaringly yeah. different. Yeah, the tone, yeah. the director's style and tone is is very obvious in both those movies and they're not the same. <laughs> yeah, so I I Best case scenario, I hope because JJ started it, he has this great ending to the st the story that he be he began. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they could cap it off in a in an awesome way, um, almost in the fact like, well, personally, I think Rogue One made Episode Four better. Yeah, like you you start realizing what the buildup was, and it's not so innocent on Tatooine drinking blue milk. There's people that died for the shit inside of R2 and you're over here cleaning your starship toy like this it made it made episode 4 better yeah mm -hmm. so yeah i'm hoping that episode 9 makes 8 better or makes it at least make sense yeah mm -hmm. we'll definitely look back on 8 differently once the whole trilogy is complete and we know yeah. where ray and kylo are going to end up 
Well, and you did see a little bit of that uh, again, uh, you know, maybe a little before your time, but when Empire first came out, like, especially because it had that, that sort of ending that just left you hanging, mm-hmm. like people were just, there's a lot of people who really did not like that movie. And now most of the people who uh, like the original trilogy, well, not most, but a, a very large number say that that is their favorite of the, of yeah, the movies. Everybody forgets that. Um, yeah. And, and you sort of forget how it was you know, interpreted at the time. And I see why people like it. Like there's a lot of amazing stuff in there. And it probably is my, my favorite um, of the Star Wars movies as well. But at the time, because you didn't have the context of the next movie, it did almost feel unfulfilled, unfinished. And I mean, that's a, a middle, you know, middle uh, episode problem with, with most trilogies. So you you got to be careful about judging them until you get the Mm-hmm. The full context, right? Yeah, so I that think middle movie. Right on that one. That middle movie is tough to make. I have to imagine they all have to end on a question mark. Mm-hmm. Like you, how are you going to do a complete episode two or a mm-hmm. middle trilogy? I mean, you can't. You have to yeah. see the 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 one after. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you what do you think about um, Disney storytelling uh, so far? Even in like Rogue One or across the board. Um, I, because of the different directors, I feel like maybe it's just jumping all over the place. They haven't yeah, had like a solid. I, I mean, you know, for me, here's the thing: it's not. I was hoping they would take it like to a darker, more adult place. Which, but being Disney, it makes sense that they maybe don't. Um, they have gotten a little bit darker, a little bit. Um, I, I, I mean, I think for me, it feels like they have gone. A little bit in the direction I want, but they haven't gone very far. But mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, you know, I mean, I would love an R-rated Star Wars movie. Yes, right? R-rated. You know, um, I was like hoping really, Solo would have been R-rated with how yeah, gr- yeah. gritty and they're not ready to do it. Partly for the no, brand, I think we still see it as a, a, a huge portion of the audience being children. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think they are worried about like the box office you know, what it would do to the box office, right? Um, you know, when you see a movie like Deadpool come out and it, you know, I, I, I think it was one of the highest R-rated movies or, or definitely one of the highest R-rated superhero movies. Um, you know, you're like, okay, that was great. But people forget, or a lot of people don't realize how, how close Deadpool didn't come to getting made. Right. Like it was shoestring budget. There was a lot of people who really went to the wall to get that movie made. And and it still doesn't have anywhere close to the kind of budget that a Star Wars movie requires, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, you know, if they eventually do that. Um, and again, maybe that's something more where the TV show starts to go in that yeah. direction. Um, they have a lot more room with the like the the streaming service if that happens. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't. Uh, this budget talk it it makes me mad because <laughs> better movies have been made with less budget. Mm-hmm. So. Why don't we just figure out who's the best storyteller, who are the best actors, and put them in instead of trying to create? I feel like they just pump money into it just to be different, mm-hmm. and that's not always good. Um, like they they flew in a a blue whale with four tits on it just because they wanted to be different. Why yeah. are we spending money <laughs> on helicoptering in this this Pokemon in? Like why? That, that, that could have been yeah. spent on something completely different and that I would have liked better. There's there's a, yeah. an old sort of axiom in, in the creative industry is that, um, you know, 
having to make hard choices makes your story better. Mm-hmm. So if you ever watched, there was a, a documentary, I can't remember where it aired, it might have been Arts and Entertainment or some A&E or some channel, but I think it was called Making of an Empire. And it was sort of the first two Star Wars movies and like all the things that they did and how they had trouble with budgets and the mm-hmm. studios weren't fans of them. And, you know, all the stuff that went into making the first two Star Wars movies. And it, it was amazing, like how much, um, how, how much no they had to fight against from the studios, from other people, from budgets. And I think mm-hmm. when you're forced to fight against no's constantly, it forces you to keep reevaluating what you're doing and you strip away all the all the stuff that isn't vital. You strip away things that aren't great and things that you want to do. You're like, I've got an idea. Rarely is your first idea the right idea. Mm-hmm. So if you say, I've got an idea and they go, that's okay, but no, come up with something cheaper, better. You're, you keep working it and you come up with a better idea. Now Star Wars is at the point where they don't refine ideas. They might throw an idea out and start over, which I think there was rumors of that had happened on uh, on several of these movies recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't kind of just limit and constrict the creative vision and force you to kind of rework it and tighten it and rework it because they know it's going to make money, because they got these guys in who want carte blanche. And I, I do think it does make it harder to make a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when you have an unlimited budget and you can do anything, it's hard to work with that as a creator when they're like, yeah, you can literally do anything you want and no one will say no. Um, and you kind of just start going off in too many different directions, which I feel is one of the problems of, of uh, especially of the, the Last Jedi. Yeah. And I feel if they had, you know, had a limited budget, they would have cut out a lot of stuff. In my mind, they would have cut out the stuff I don't want. <laughs> I think so too. Now, that's true or not, but uh, yeah, especially watching the uh, the bonus features on the the, the Blu-ray, I get that mm-hmm. sense too. And it, it's unfortunate how much work and time and creation went into Canto Bite, and that's you know overall the most hated part of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate. I and like you said, I wonder if they told Ryan he has you know 150 million dollars less in the budget, then you just kind of have to work around it. Yeah. Or did he create Canto Bite because he had another 150? That, that's that, what that I he mean. Could make, that he could make different aliens yeah. and just push the boundaries. Right. So he did it because he could. Which, yeah. so much potential in that scene, too. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I thought the idea of that area was so cool. It just, because of Rose and Finn and the, the horses and stuff, it just. Yeah. It's funny for me because I, uh, I'm i huge. I, I love going to Las Vegas. I, I go there five, six times a year. Love that. I'm Ooh. huge. Yeah, I love going there. I'm uh, I I love like, gambling and games of chance and poker. And um, I'm actually the guy who uh, came up with the, all the rules and everything for Pazak and the Kotor. Um, <laughs> That's so, awesome. That's so yeah, cool. they were like, "Hey, you want to do a Star Wars version of blackjack?" I'm like, "Yes, yes, I do." <laughs> um, so when when I heard that, like, "Oh, they're going to Casino World," I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be fucking amazing!" But mm-hmm. it, like you said, it really was my least favorite part of the yeah the, the well, when, a, when a drunken grasshopper is throwing coins around i'm like all right you lost me like this is <laughs> let's get back to like conflict yeah. and i i feel like <clears throat> it was a it was awkward for me where that entire scene was about builders or entrepreneurs selling to the good guys and the bad mm-hmm. like that was what the whole thing was supposed right. to be there were so many cool ways that I, like I could come up with that would make that work and make that better outside mm-hmm. of what happened. Yeah. 
and well, I'm a jackass. Entire, they've done entire <laughs> movies about like the morality of being an arms dealer, right? Yeah. Like there's entire, like there's what was the God of War with Nicolas Cage. There was the one with Jonah Hill and Miles Teller. I can't remember yep. what it was called. But I mean, like that's a whole thing of like, like it's a murky morality. Like you're like, look, we just make the weapons. We're not the bad guys. But you're like, well, but you kind of are. You're helping On the other them. hand, yeah. Where are the rebels getting their weapons? They're getting it from these guys too. So if they weren't giving it to the rebels, maybe they're sorry, resistance are they called now? Yeah, yeah. that's you know what I mean. Terrorists, <laughs> terrorists. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so it's like if they okay. weren't giving them the money or the weapons, then maybe the first order would have already conquered the galaxy. So you're like, mm-hmm. you could get into a there's a lot of murky gray morality you can explore. And they really made it out as like they're just complete evil people who deserve evilness and yeah i felt rose's opinion of them was really really childish and simplistic i was like i don't think you are looking at this in the way the real world works like it 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 kind of bothered me and you know if, if that was her starting opinion and they go through stuff that changes it and she understands that there are necessary evils in the world and you may not like something but you sometimes need to work with people who make you uncomfortable because the alternative is worse. Yeah. I'm like, that's an interesting storyline. Yeah, yeah. That's not what they did. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that, what you said, childish opinion where it's just, this is what I know as the way the world works, so this is the way it works. And that's mm-hmm. what it is. That's why I'm in the resistance, just because that's just, you know, the way I was brought up or whatever. And getting those opinions in there that really make you think about it, like coming to those situations, like Kylo Ren, that's why I love him, is it's not just oh, okay, I'm with Snoke now. I'm in the First Order. He's not there because he just decided randomly to to switch sides. It's about what he's been struggling with, what he's been doing, his history with his family. Like, there's a lot of really tough stuff he has to go through and he has to, to ask himself and answer with himself, which I like mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of the Star Wars stuff that we have gotten is very like, it's good guys and bad guys. That's why I like Anakin's arc in the prequels. Like it's a, it's a more It's deeper than just... Here's the rebels. They're the good guys. Here's the empire. They're the bad guys, and they're going to duke it out. And then the good guys are always going to win. It's like I think the sequel trilogy has the potential to bring us more like deeper questions, harder stuff well, they, to deal with. If they focus now, on that and stop going, you know, Canto bite and walrus tits with it. Now, now that you say that, it kind of Snoke kind of pisses me off because <laughs> no, it's just like so. Why is he, he evil? pisses you off or his death pisses you off? But why? Why does? Why is he evil? We don't know yet. We'll like, figure it out in like a, a We'll figure it out in a comic or something. I, well, that's the <laughs> or issue. Or a book. <laughs> Is I just, it? I don't know. To... I've never had a, a problem with someone who wants to like rule the galaxy. I'm like, yeah, I I would want to. Everyone wants to rule the galaxy. Some people are just willing to do the nasty things to do it. I mean, most of us aren't, and he is. Some people are sociopaths, and you know, they they usually end up being leaders. <laughs> but like, we we always argue whether or not the emperor thinks he's bad or not like does the emperor actually think if he kills all the jedi the galaxy would be better off it's like the hitler hitler didn't think he was evil hitler thought he was doing the right thing so we're trying we, we talk about that and we we are we See, I, heated I, debates I don't know if about I that premise <laughs> i i think i think someone like the emperor or hitler all they wanted was power and they were willing to do things it was all very self-oriented they wanted I want to be in control. I want power. I want a good life for me. I want things the way I want them. And I think if you said to them, well, do you think it's good for the people who suffer? They'd be like, no, but fuck those people. Yeah. Because that's what they are. They are sociopaths. They literally don't care. They have no empathy. 
Yeah. So I, I, for me, I never thought the Emperor or Snoke was trying to make things better for the galaxy. I thought they were just literally like going after power. I took over. I'm. Yeah. It's all about me. I want whatever I want. Like you know, I want my selfish needs fulfilled. Whether it's you know a, a harem of slaves, whether it's money, power, whether it's influence. Um, now, can you say the same thing about Vader? Because I, I think Vader thought he was doing what's best for the galaxy. To a point, and then it just, he hit like a, a threshold or something and just went over the cliff with it. Yeah, I think I think his story would have been, um, and I mean, this is kind of what I try to do with the, the Bane novels too, is his intentions initially were good, and they sort of get corrupted. You start going down a certain path, and at some point you've gone so far, you don't even realize that you've, you've like you say, you've gone over the edge, you've gone beyond the point of no return. And when that realization hits, you kind of either have to embrace it and say, all right, I guess this is what I am now. Um, and and embrace that. Or you have to basically say, you know, I'm going to try to undo everything I did. So in my, in my head, when I was working on Darth Bane, I was like, this is the alternate fork of what happened to Vader. Like Vader kind of went down the road and at, you know, some point he goes all in, but then of course he has the redemption at the end. And I was like, well... Darth Bane isn't getting a redemption. He's going all in and he's staying on the dark side. And um, Which is good yeah. to see. We don't need a redemption for everybody. That's why I'm yeah. wondering what they're going to do with Kylo Ren. If, if he's turning back, if he's getting killed, if he's going to win. Mm-hmm. I, guess, yeah. I guess that hinges on if they're going to do a, a 10, 11, and 12 also. Yeah. Well, I just... <clears throat> oh, I lost my certain point of view over here. <laughs> I, th- I think it would be refreshing if he didn't end up with a redemption. Yeah, I think so too. Just, just because it's what everyone's expecting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think even in the Bane, because uh, if you look at Bane from a certain point of view, he probably killed more Sith than any other person in the Star Wars universe. So, are you still yeah. going to put the the evil label on Darth Bane when mm. he has pretty much cleared the galaxy of evil? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, to be, I mean, from yeah. a certain point of yeah, view, I can, see, I can see that. I mean, that was one of the things with that uh, with that series where I had to make sure that a lot of the time he was doing, you know, he was in conflict with people you didn't mind getting killed. Now, there are certain moments in certain parts where certain characters are more heroic and noble that get taken out. But I was trying to make sure that, like, yes, the, the people he's, he's in combat with are just as bad, if not worse, than him because otherwise it's hard to generate sympathy for a character. So yeah, the argument is, you know, yeah, he maybe did more to to eliminate the dark side's uh, influence over the galaxy than anybody. Does that make him the greatest hero of our time? It's like, yeah, right. I say yes. <laughs> he's like the greatest hero and villain all at the same time. There you he's go. like he's like Revan. Yes. <laughs> I definitely have a type, I guess, right? <laughs> right. Right. No, and I I love the fact that Bane learns what a true Sith is from Revan, hmm. kind of that idea of the rule of two, and then takes it to an absolute, and then that continues into the movies. Hmm. Like the fact that Yoda in episode one says there's always two, a master hmm. and apprentice, is like, is this like not the biggest applause for, for you know what you what you created? Like I know it's, it was before, but you like right. you, you played off that so well and made it like oh yeah, it leads into it. Like well, it, 
clearly and Darth Bane happened. Yeah. One of the things for me and my interpretation is, is one of the reasons uh, things went badly for the Emperor was he kind of went away from that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He started bringing in Darth Maul and... and uh, Dooku and Asajj. Uh, Dooku, and- yeah. He, he was kind of, you know, and then even with Vader, he, he was like, he had Vader, and then he was like, well, maybe I can get Luke on my side as well. Mm-hmm. And then I know there's a moment where he tells Luke to kill Vader, but you know, he's working with Vader to bring Luke in. I'm like, this is what Bane was talking about. You don't want two against one. Like, it's going to go poorly for you. And and uh, and then if you go into the expanded universe, um, into the books and stuff like that, I mean, he was violating the rule of two, left, right, and center. It was yeah. all oh, yeah. place. So uh, in my opinion, I'm like, yeah, that's sort of where he started to... Uh, lose his way, right? He didn't stay true to the, the original teachings. Mm-hmm. So you're saying the Emperor died because he didn't follow your rules? Yeah. If Should have listened to Drew, Sheev. Come on, Sheev. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Step no, up I your like game, Sheev. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, but now the question off of that is, would he have been able to actually like take over and rule, run an empire if it was just him and Vader? Yeah, that's another question too. Yeah. yeah, because that was something like Bane's goal wasn't to rule the galaxy, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's part of it too. The uh, Bane's goal was much more internal focused, right? The, the way I tried to present his view of the dark side was it's all about self improvement, achieving the greatest self you can, um, ma- maximizing your own potential, um, becoming strong so that the outside world can't break you, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit different than becoming strong so you can control the outside world. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a, a little bit of a, a leap there. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why, you know, Bane was never plotting to take over the galaxy because to him that was sort of irrelevant, right? If you're strong enough, it doesn't matter who's running the galaxy. You can still do what you want when yeah. you want. And that's a little different philosophy than someone like the Emperor who says, I want to control everything to make sure everything goes the way I want. So Bane, Bane the was, way we want them to be. Bane was like a, I don't even know, like a Buddhist Sith. He was all, it's yeah. all internal. <laughs> yes. and, the emp- and the emperor was like a politician. Yeah. So yes. he just wanted to have his fingers and everything and control. Yeah. Wow. There you go. There we go. We're getting somewhere. And as we learned somewhere. here today, <laughs> we need to take the Buddhist monks over the politicians. Yeah. That, that's the moral <laughs> of the day. I think most of the people would agree that we prefer Buddhist monks to politicians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This 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 is fun. <laughs> this is weird. Um, we do have a few wanna, questions here from uh, from Jakota oh, okay. about yeah, Kotor. Uh, firing those. Yeah, just a few. Um, all about Revan for right now. Okay, uh, uh, I'll see. If, <laughs> see if you can remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so first one: Is there a, an official canon color of Revan's lightsaber? Oof. Okay. Uh, I would say. There might be somewhere, but I don't know what it is. Um, so when I was doing the uh, the novels, I tried to um, establish some stuff. Uh, but I think in the game, you can you know obviously do many different things with Revan, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then in various artwork, comics, other depictions, there hasn't been a strong um, consistency. <laughs> with some of that. And some of that's because different people have worked on it. Um, some of it is because, I'll be honest, the uh, the Old Republic wasn't as important to the sort of the continuity team, so they didn't focus on it as much uh, with those kinds of details. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, if it might be written down somewhere, but I don't know what it would be. Um, well, and aside from what's written down, what's in your yeah. head? What, what, what's yeah, Revan? What's How do you see head? Revan? Oh. Yeah. 
I'll be honest, I don't even remember at this point. Because um, <laughs> for me, some of it depends on sort of what stage of like light and dark he was at. True. Um, you know, I I kind of always liked the... Uh, I mean, green is to me a, a good color. It can be sort of dark or light. Um, blue feels more light side to me. Red feels more dark side. I mean, uh, there's exceptions and everything. But yeah, that's sort of where I, uh, I kind of lean so to me he always sort of walked the line between them so i would say green um you know purple's cool because it mixes the two but to yeah. me, purple's sort of mace uh mace windows sort of got a <laughs> he got controls the, that one the copyrights on that yeah yeah stay yeah, away, yeah, stay away from the purple lights favorite um, people <laughs> so i don't know if you asked me i would probably say green but it's not an official you know that i don't know what the the true answer is i true always answer is whatever you say there you go <laughs> you, you, you heard speak, it here you, you heard it here first yeah, <laughs> he can only speak the truth. Yes, there you go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, the, the correct answer is purple and red. He's he's dual wielding. There you uh, go. And I love it. And that's usually and what I end up seeing. Yeah, and the the yeah. six inch figure that I have of him, he has purple and red, which is sweet. Oh, that's true. I do have that figure as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. That. Uh, another thing about Revan's backstory. Uh, where's he from? Parents. Are his parents good? Are they Jedi? Are they nobodies? Yeah. Um, for me, I always liked the idea, again, unofficially, that he was more of a, like, the nobody. Like, he rose from uh, from nowhere. Uh, Just like Ray. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I, I like that idea. Um, I, I, I understand the parentage thing uh, in Star Wars. I mean, it's a huge part of the IP. But for me, I, I kind of don't like the idea that your parentage defines you because I like the idea that you define yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a it's a tough line to walk. Um, a badass. Yeah. For me and I just decided, eh, I'm gonna not <laughs> not delve into that. So to me, he was some anonymous, you know, anonymous character who showed an affinity for this and and you know, back was taken into the Jedi Order and, and learned to be a Jedi and then you know went on his journey where he you know, trying to think did. <laughs> in Kotor what was that the the very first scene you have to choose whether you're a scoundrel or whatever the three classes mm -hmm. in that but trask is the first time he says you're <laughs> a republic soldier from i don't know if he says from somewhere so you might have to go back and we'll yeah. play the game <laughs> but i mean keep in mind whatever he says is you got that whole unreliable narrator thing because at this point you were actually a captured prisoner of war who'd oh, been yeah, yeah they're trying to you know make you believe something that yeah. maybe was or wasn't true so damn jedi yep <laughs> messing with everybody's heads messing with the heads <laughs> awesome also jakota says uh he loves you you made him love you made him a star wars fan oh awesome well, so, there you go <laughs> that like a lot of pressure. <laughs> now let's <clears throat> i think we've got a few more minutes here um What's going on with the disaster that is EA in the Star Wars gaming community? Um, <laughs> or how much can you, you speak know, to that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think, I don't really know. I mean, the, so between Disney and EA and who's buying what, um, I don't know what's going on. I do know that this is kind of what we talked about budgets before, right? EA has a certain type of game they want to make. And they it's going to be a big budget, massive game. Um, there's sort of two business models that can be successful. You can do a lot of small projects that make small profits. And when you add it up all together, you have a big profit. 
or you can make few really big projects that make a really big profit. EA has decided to go that route. Um, the problem is, if they don't make a really big profit, you run into trouble. And uh, I feel it, it kind of forces you to be risk averse. You can't afford failures. You can't afford to put something out that doesn't click, which means you don't take creative risks. You get a little formulaic. Mm. Um, you know, if if they were doing, you know, six Star Wars games a year and they were sort of more low budget and one of them misses and it's a complete flop, you can absorb that loss. When mm-hmm. you're doing one or two or less, as the case may be now. One every other um, year. Yeah. Yeah. But on top of that, I, I believe one of the problems with Star Wars, and I'm this is not a hundred percent I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but <laughs> when you create a Star Wars game, they're gonna take a chunk of those profits. The Star Wars people, Disney, right? They want to take a chunk of those profits because they know it's the biggest IP out there. Like I don't think even even with the expansion of Marvel in the last few years, I think Star Wars is still the biggest thing out there. Maybe Harry Potter, but Star Wars has been around longer. And they know that there are tons of people who just want to work with them. So they can charge a very high premium, mm-hmm. which makes it hard. Even if your game is very successful, a chunk of those profits are getting siphoned off to whoever owns Star Wars, in this case, Disney now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it's one of those things where people don't, companies and that don't realize how much that's going to impact their bottom line. So they think, oh, it's great. We'll get Star Wars. It'll increase our sales by a million. Right. But if you sold 5 million, increase your sales by a million, you've got a 20% increase. If Star Wars is taking 25% of the profits, right. you've actually lost 5%. Right. Right. So I think it, it, there's a couple factors um, that, that go into it. I think that's part of it, um, but you know I don't actually know. And uh, you know, and making games is is hard. It's a very hard industry. Um, you know, if uh, if anyone wants to know more about it, there's the book by uh, oh God, I can't remember who wrote it now. I'm terrible. Um, one of the one of the sort of games reporters, but he just did a thing. I think it's called making games is hard or something like that. Okay, um, if it's but it's 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 just sort of a, all the all the things that can go wrong and and. You know, when you get a hundred people working on a project together, and you've got, uh, you know, the studio that's making it, plus EA has to approve everything, plus Star Wars has to approve everything. There's a lot of levels of communication that can fall apart. Mm, yeah, I'm just—it's uh, been such a lackluster thing because so the two two uh, games that have come out are Battlefront and Battlefront Two. So it, mm-hmm. it was essentially they're the, they're the same game. I'm going to sit there and say mm-hmm. they're the same game. They have taken out storytelling out mm-hmm. of the career was is not good in that in either of those games. Mm-hmm. So why are they? Well, I just want uh, I want an RPG where I can go throughout the the universe and like create my own character. Why do mm-hmm. I have to go back to Kotor to two thousand three <laughs> to do this? Like, yeah, they are missing on so many aspects, and the the story writing and storytelling in the in the new games has been well almost not there. But even the parts that, that that are there, they kind of like skim over just to get you to play different characters. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're swinging and missing hard on these games. While they're they're probably still selling because they are beautiful mm-hmm. games and they're they're decently fun to play. But man, you're pumping out so many movies and the budgets are outrageous on these movies. Let's let's spill a couple of those uh, million over to the gaming <laughs> community. Yeah. And yeah. produce something awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think Drew, like you said about the things getting formulaic when you're limited in certain ways when you have the responsibility of putting out 
a game for the biggest IP in the world every other year. You try to, you have to go all in on that for a while. They did, they did really try to copy and paste or go formulaic or, you know, the whole controversy with the, uh, the loot crates and everything, just like copying what's work instead of what's been working instead of being hundred percent true to what star Wars is and the things mm -hmm. that made, you know, everybody always wants to reference the original battlefront games is what's like really great and what's worked. I mean, why can't we go back to a little bit of that? Like there's people are still playing those games 13 years after the fact, like they come backwards compatible for the Xbox one next week. Well, I don't know when people are listening to this, but <laughs> I'm more excited to go back and play those and KOTOR one and two than I am to like play the new one, even with some of the new changes. I just, yeah, they need some yeah. of that spirit of like the original star Wars where I don't even know. I don't thirteen even know. thirteen was probably going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They just said nope on that. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean it. It is. It is. I mean, I wish I had an answer. I mean, there's, there's. Obviously, I, I have, like, you know, I've enjoyed working on Star Wars games of the kind you guys have described, where a story matters and you get to tell, tell a good story. But uh, yeah, I don't necessarily know that there's going to be a lot of those coming out. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there is. And uh, you know what? What you might end up having to look for is something that is a little bit lower budget, maybe from a smaller company. Um, that you know isn't isn't uh, isn't necessarily looking to make a you know a game that sells ten million copies because again that puts all those things you know when you're going to sell that many copies then you're going to have a massive budget and then you're going to want to put a ton of that budget into things like effects and and uh, the look of the game and that all impacts the cost of content and as soon as content gets expensive stories kind of get pushed to the back burner and uh, you know so I don't know who knows. Um, that's so yeah. shitty i would rather play uh, and it's happening i was gonna say i'd rather play something that looks bad and it the gameplay is just awesome i get to choose and that's exactly what's happening not that kotor looks terrible right. but i'm going back to 2003 <laughs> i'm going back pretty to 2003 dig. just to play yeah. a decent game and it's like yeah. man disney you're you're doing so much stuff you're doing and i get it with especially with the marvel stuff too but wow what a whiff a whiff on the uh, Star Wars game front. Yeah, I think yeah. If one good thing comes out of Battlefront 2, it's the fact that I think EA knows with all that backlash is they can't mess around. They can't mm. just put out something formulaic and like basic. We're not gonna, mm. we, we're not gonna accept it. Now that Star Wars is like back on the map and the quality, say what you will about, you know, if, if you like Rey and, and Kylo and The Last Jedi and the story, but the quality of what they're putting out there is really, really high. And when the games mm -hmm. don't match up, you know, we're going to revolt, which we have been. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been picketing for months now. I've been standing outside EA Studios like every day. Come on, guys. <laughs> so let, let me ask, outside of uh, Star Wars, what, name a couple of like franchises or, or movies that uh, you're a huge fan of. Um, I'm trying to think here. Let's see. Uh, franchises, a little tougher. I mean, I mean, I... I obviously watch things like the the Marvel stuff and that, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a huge, you know, I'm not, I don't throw myself into them. Um, I used to, I was a big fan of the first couple Alien movies, but I'm not the hugest fan of the direction they've gone in now. Um, Terminator. Terminator's another one that I enjoyed. I, I It's tough. I, I, I mean, I've enjoyed Game of Thrones, but the, you know, there's what, 15 million people who enjoy Game of Thrones. I don't think that makes you unique in any way. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I'm, there's nothing that I, I would say I've really uh, thrown myself into or, or become a huge fan of um, that isn't sort of just mainstream stuff that's out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I enjoy 
a lot of different things. I, I still enjoy movies by, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino. Most of his movies I enjoy. He's the director that I, I usually find I can go to and, and uh, get what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Not I, I wouldn't even, does Quentin Tarantino movies, they are great and they also piss me off at the same time. So it's it's kind of a unique <laughs> thing where it was like, he, like would, he, would, he would make a Darth Bane movie based on your your book and he would just go to page 100 and be like all right that's the first scene and then we'll go to page one a half hour (laughs) later and you're like wait a second what is happening over here (laughs) just because you put the time and date in on on the text at the bottom of the screen before it happens doesn't make it like everything perfect (laughs) but uh no the the, his movies are fun um have you seen a quiet place yet Uh, actually i love the quiet place yes i thought it was amazing so i really like things that kind of go in a slightly different um, direction or, or eh, I wouldn't say different direction, but just that, that kind of feel a little different. Um, I was very impressed with The Quiet Place. I uh, I saw it. I came out of there. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, very, very unique. It was almost, yeah. and I don't want to spoil it because I don't think Commander saw yeah. it, but it was like Tremors, but with like, instead of feeling yes. the ground, they could just yeah. hear things. It was, it was very another unique. another great movie. I mean, it, you know, it's a little dated now. It's been a long time. <laughs> but, uh, Anything with Kevin Bacon, really. Great movie. Um, but yeah, I, I think both those were, were good movies. Um, Annihilation uh, is another one that came out recently that was interesting. Um, uh, has some moments that just, uh, if you like any kind of creepy horror stuff, there's a few moments in Annihilation that are amazing. Um, but overall, I, I thought A Quiet Place was a better movie. I, I felt the story held together better and I, I enjoyed it more. I'm excited to see awesome. both of those. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time here with us. Um, Yeah, it's awesome to hear kind of your point of view on everything Star Wars, uh, (laughs) for obvious reasons. Um, But they're they're going in such different, crazy (laughs) ways that, you know, it's it's fun to even talk about whether it's good or bad. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. The fact that we have Star Wars to to yell about um, is always a good thing, I think. Yeah, very true. Um, Drew, if you want to let people know as much detail or as little detail about, you know, you're no longer with Bioware, where you're headed now, what you're yeah. working on, or so if you want to just... Yeah, I, have, I left Bioware a little while ago. I'm working on uh, freelance stuff now. Okay. Um, I'm still doing some game stuff here and there. Um, it's sort of smaller scale. Um, I can't talk too much about what I'm doing. I'm working with a company called uh, Fog Bank right now, um, which has some some other former Bioware employees with it. We tend to congregate again. It's, uh, it's good. We're really focusing on story. Um, Again, unfortunately, you know the way video games work. I can't say much about what we're doing right now, but uh, you so know, people you're, you're at a, you're at a that. game studio. You have people yeah. from Bioware. You're focused yeah. on story. What I hear, yeah, what I hear I you mean, saying is that you guys you know. are making Kotor three. That's what I, I think. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, well, you know, people hear what they want to hear <laughs> from a certain point of view, just like Star Wars fans do. Yep. So. Uh, but uh, but yeah, if people follow me on uh, on Twitter, um, you know, I I will obviously anytime I'm I'm uh, making, I can announce information about what I'm working on. I will, um, and then you know my website, uh, which I'm going to start doing updates again. Uh, it's com. I did one when I left Bioware to talk about it a little bit, and I'm planning to do another one uh, in the next l- couple of weeks, uh, where I'm actually going to talk about the uh, different failures I've had and and what you learn from your failures as a as a creator and an artist. So, hoping people will be interested in that. But uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So. Hopefully, I'll have stuff to talk about, uh, you know, in the next few months. Sweet. But I've been saying that for a couple months, and it's just the wheels move <laughs> slow. Cool. Awesome. Good deal. 
All right. All right, guys. Well, Rogue Squadron Podcast. Uh, are, we, are we even putting an episode number to this? Uh, or is this Drew, one, Drew 2? One Drew 2 is 1,000. <laughs> 1,000. <laughs> awesome. So we appreciate you, Drew. Uh, thanks for coming on, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> well, we should talk when uh, when the episode uh, 9 comes out and see if we were right about how, what they do, what it makes us think about episode 8. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll set a date for that. What is it? Two years from now. Two years. Great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Appreciate it, Drew. All right. Thanks, guys.